thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And this week in wellness, a recent study by McGill University's Division of Experimental Medicine published in Science Translational Medicine shows that inflammation may in fact be necessary for healing acute injuries, throwing into question the common use of steroids and over-the-counter inflammatories as a first line of defense. This was very, very unexpected, said co-author and professor Luda Diachenko. The standard medical management for this type of pain turns out to be probably making matters worse, not better, said Jeffrey Mogul, a neuroscientist at McGill and another senior author on the paper. What we're saying here is pretty radical, he went on to say. If true, the findings may in fact suggest that the use of anti-inflammatories, at least for lower back pain, increases the risk of developing chronic pain later. Professor Mogul went on to share that the paper had actually been rejected by the New England Journal of Medicine, despite largely positive reviews, as it would, quote-unquote, overturn decades of medical practice. I mean, in short, this is a paradigm-changing paper, said Thomas Bushett, director of the Regenerative Pain Therapies Program at Duke, who was not involved in the work. We've been treating everything that hurts with a steroid injection or an anti-inflammatory for years, he went on to say. The study collected blood from 98 lower back patients in Italy and followed them for three months. They then sequenced all the RNA inside the cell on immune cells from both patients who had their pain resolved by the last visit and the patients who did not to determine which genes were active. Diachenko expected the cells in patients who developed chronic pain to be buzzing with activity, the sign of a disease process underway. Instead, the chronic pain patient's cells were silent, completely like dead, she said. Meanwhile, the immune cells of patients whose pain had resolved were abuzz. More than half of their genome changed expression. They have this massive immunological process going on, she said. This showed that an active immune process and upregulated inflammation was actually helping people heal rather than hindering it. The body was ramping up its immune response and inflammatory response to heal the problem and then downregulating it automatically when it was no longer required. When Diachenko spoke to co-author Mogul, who specialises in mice studies, about the results, he told her it was impossible, as everyone knows that when you give mice with chronic pain anti-inflammatories, it reduces their pain. However, they soon realised that no one ever followed the mice for very long. When longer studies were done, the mice who received over-the-counter anti-inflammatories, or dexamethasone, initially showed fewer pain symptoms than mice given saline solution. But within weeks, most of the saline mice saw their pain entirely subside. By contrast, the mice who received anti-inflammatories still flinched when you touched their paw. In fact, it took them 150 days to resolve their pain instead of two weeks, according to Diachenko. The results were further confirmed when the researchers analysed UK Biobank, a massive database of diverse patient data, and looked at patients who had reported acute pain. They found that those who had taken an anti-inflammatory were around 75% more likely to develop chronic pain compared to the controls. When asked about how this would affect treatment and management of chronic pain and acute pain going forwards, Mogul said, I don't expect people to change immediately, but yeah, I think the writing is on the wall. As always, the links are in the show notes. Now, my opinion is that this has huge ramifications for chronic pain treatment and for chronic pain management, and as a result, has huge ramifications for our entire healthcare system and our entire healthcare budget. 
Yeah, the reason for that is that chronic pain is massive. In this case, we're just talking about lower back pain and that in itself is a huge chunk of our healthcare plan, of our, of our healthcare and our healthcare budget. You know, we know that 80% of Australians have back pain at some stage in their life. We know that many of them that goes on to become chronic pain, often quite debilitating pain, which has a massive impact on those people's quality of life, has a massive load on our healthcare system and a massive expense on our healthcare budget. And that's just talking about back pain, your lower back pain. When we start to extrapolate these results out, and if we can show that these same results are achieved in other types of chronic pain, in other chronic inflammatory issues, then this has the potential to be one of the biggest discoveries we've made in a very, very long time in terms of our ability to reduce the load on our healthcare system in order to be able to reduce the levels of morbidity that we're seeing in our society with these chronic diseases and in able to be, to be able to reduce the burden on our healthcare budget. You know, if this is true, that we can reduce it to such a significant degree, you know, perhaps by three times if, if those English studies or those English statistics are to be believed, then that could be absolutely massive. And I think what it should do is it should cause us to reflect quite a lot on what we do in healthcare. You know, to what degree are we masking symptoms rather than trying to find out and to work on the cause? And what are the side effects of masking those symptoms? You know, are those symptoms, in fact, part of the body's own healing process? Are they actually important in terms of the body's ability to heal? And by masking them, are we actually creating greater long-term problems? And I think one of the things we can see from this is that one of the things we need to do a lot more of is a lot more longer-term studies. You know, we've seen from this that the studies we did into the anti-inflammatories, looking at them on mice, were all short-term. And as a result, we saw what the short-term results were, which looked really promising. You know, it reduced the inflammation, it reduced people's pain. However, when we then turned around and looked at it in the long term, what we saw was actually the opposite. And that has a far bigger implication because you know, whilst the short-term pain, whether that's for you know, a few weeks, maybe even a few months, that can be debilitating. That can have a big you know, expense on healthcare budgets. That can have a big impact on the individuals who are suffering from it. But the, the burden of chronic pain is far, far greater. So we need to be looking at that when we're looking at doing these sort of studies. And I think the other thing that we need to recognize is that the human body is smarter than we've been led to believe. You know, when the body does something like inflammation, it does it for a reason. We need to be more curious about that. Why is the body doing that? What's the impact of the body doing that? How does that benefit the body for it to have that reaction? And how does that benefit the body in the short term? But also, how does it benefit the body in the long term? Because if we're not looking at the long term, then we might be missing the whole picture as we've seen in this study. And really, this backs up what chiropractors have been saying for over 100 years. Treat the cause, not the symptoms. That the body is smarter than we've been led to believe. That when the body does stuff, it does it for a reason. You know, we talk about the innate intelligence and we respect the innate intelligence of the body. And I think that's been something that's been missing in our healthcare system for a really long time. And hopefully, studies like this are starting to push us back in the right direction where we can start to say, hey, maybe we need to not just focus on the symptoms. Maybe we need to not just focus on the short term. Maybe we need to not just think that 
we know better than nature, that we know better than the human body, maybe we can start to look at, well, what's the cause? What's going on here? Why is the body doing what it's doing? How can we look after the individual in a way that respects what the body is trying to do in order to heal them so that they can not only feel and function better in the short term, but they can feel and function better in the long term. And that doesn't mean that there's not a time and a place for pain management. You know, what this one of the things this study showed was that if we use non-anti-inflammatory pain management, then that seemingly doesn't have the same risk of developing into chronic pain. So, you know, there are other strategies that we can use, but we also need to recognize that those probably have other side effects too. And they may, in their own way, be interfering with the body's own processes, with the body's own healing ability. With the, We need to look at, once again, what are the long-term results of doing that and what's the cost-benefit? You know, it may well be that if the pain is so great in the short term, there is benefit in terms of, you know, that sort of pain management, both in terms of providing just comfort, but also in terms of, you know, allowing the person to sleep, allowing them to keep moving, both of which we know are beneficial in the healing process. So we're not saying that there's never a time and a place for pain management. Of course there is. But I think this causes us to pause and have a more balanced conversation about the pros and cons of doing it and to look at ways that are perhaps non-pharmaceutical ways we can mitigate the pain or perhaps even to a degree deal with the pain so that we can allow the body's own healing process to continue. I think in terms of what's now, we need to do more study in this. As the New England Journal of Medicine said, you know, they wanted to see more double-blind randomized control studies looking at the long-term effects of these anti-inflammatories and whether in fact people who have been having these anti-inflammatories are more likely to develop chronic pain conditions later on in life. So you know, more research needs to be done. And once again, at the same time, I think it causes us to change the way we approach, particularly in anti-inflammatories as far as dealing with acute and chronic pain, but also I think really causes us to pause and to consider the way we're doing healthcare full stop. So I think this is just a great reminder to deal with the cause and not just the symptom when it comes to our healthcare. We've been saying that as chiropractors, as I said, for over 100 years, and I think this is just really being reinforced the more research comes out. You've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thisweekinwellness. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.